Schalke are back in the Bundesliga. HSV are actually not out of the running to get there just yet. And Werder Bremen are in a dangerous position. And in the Dritte Liga, madness is the key word when it comes to Erster FC Kaiserslautern. My name is Nick Wiltagen and I'm delighted to welcome you to an all new episode of Talking Fußball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. To mull over all things Zweite Bundesliga and lower league German football, I'm being joined by none other than our tactics expert in Bundesliga 2 insider, Jasmine Barber. And uh, Jasmine, I have to ask you, was your weekend kind of rough? Yes, and that is why I never broke out the pink gin so early. And that is why I said Darm friends should just wait until after Dusseldorf to feel if we're celebratory or not. It's definitely the not side. <laughs> How does it feel to be right so often? It's a blessing and a curse. And if you believe people on Twitter, I run my own dictatorship, so I'm always right. So there's no curse, really. <laughs> right. One of the few female dictators there are in this world. Uh, excellent stuff. We'll be right back with all that's been going on in the Zweite Bundesliga after a short break. Right, here we are. Well, the situation in the Bundesliga 2 is actually rather settled. If you look from fifth place down, you've got Auer and Ingolstadt relegated. Dynamo Dresden are going to play the playoff. Everyone from Sandhausen to Nuremberg have nothing left to play for at this moment. However, there are still a few sides that have an awful lot to play for. So, Jasmine, when it comes to this weekend, where would you like to start? Well, up to Nuremberg, you have to go slightly up to Paderborn, and may possibly Pauli. You have to go up to Pauli to say it's all done in Dusseldorf. Done in Dusseldorf? In Dusseldorf. <laughs> oh, no, don't mention Okay, do we have to start with Dusseldorf then? Because you've mentioned it. Yes, you dusseled your way into that one. Yeah, Um. so let's start Dusseldorf, Darmstadt. I cannot remember where we were before that game. I'm guessing we were second. Oh yeah, because Hamburg would have been four, three points behind. I'm not very good at remembering what the table was before the week was played. I'm glad the season's nearly over. Anyway, Darmstadt was, to most people, in second in a good position, with only Dusseldorf away, who at the time remained unbeaten, and um, our last game at home against Paderborn. And last week I was very, very hesitant to celebrate after the 6-0 win at our... And yeah, we went to Dusseldorf. We've only won once in playing them since 1992. I think it's around 10 or 12 games. And we went 2-0 down within the first 10-12 minutes. You can't shake off bogey teams and if you're not well prepared it's gonna bite you in the ass and it did. Dusseldorf are a very fierce side under Daniel Tune. They play very intensively and because of that they haven't been beaten since under him. Quite a few draws but it was going to be a very hard game and conceding two early goals and then just messing up in front of goal is just going to wear you down. We had a much better second half with changes 
with Milan and um, coming on for Braden Manu, who obviously scored against our, but it just wasn't to be. We got a penalty, that was the only goal we scored, and then in the dying moments, there was a double red card from one red card for either team, and yeah, it just didn't look like we could get back and even rescue a point which now leaves us in fourth place after the weekend and looking very unlikely to go through automatic promotion and even harder to finish off in a playoff. And once you're in an advantage, if you're in automatic promotion place and then drop down to the playoff, it's very hard psychologically to come back from that. It's almost like you've been leading a game, which can go to extra time and penalties, and leading all the way through, and then conceding the equaliser just before full time, going into extra time and you just look tired. Those teams rarely win the penalty shootout if they make it there, and I feel the kind of similar way. And that playoff could be against something very organised and full of talent such as Stuttgart or Hertha Berlin and that just makes it a little bit harder for Darmstadt and the quality that they have. Yeah you probably would have hoped to have Furt or Bielefeld there at the start of the season. Well just one one quick thought about Dusseldorf you say they're unbeaten under Daniel Thiun. When he took over they were pretty much down in the dumps they were looking like they were about to get relegated and at that point I remember myself saying, well, looking at their squad on paper, at least, they should be much higher up the table. Maybe they should even have had an outside chance of promotion with the right coach at the start of the season. Looking at their squad, looking at their new coach, looking at how they've been playing, do you think that they can pose a threat for the promotion places next season? Yeah. I think we'll get into kind of psychological factors a little bit later because there is a team with psychological, well, two teams with psychological factors that I do want to talk about. But Tune's another one who has messed it up while going for promotion before with HSV. And apart from that aspect, as you said, very good squad. He has his very clear philosophies. They're good with the ball. They're good in counter-attack. And they're on a great run. If they keep that up and have a few new fresh faces, if Hanover doesn't buy them all, <laughs> they could definitely go for promotion next year. I would expect them to fight for promotion next year, especially if we have Verda and someone like Hamburg go up and only someone like Stuttgart drops down. Mm. Well, talking about Hanover, they were on the road to HSV, who are still in the running. They are, of course, in third now that they've won 2-1 over Hanover. It was a bit of a funny game this, HSV taking a 2-0 lead, Hanover coming back, and you know Hanover always sort of looking like they might pose a threat, but in the end they didn't, so HSV won that one, which means that they are now occupying that third place that could give them, you know, the promotion playoff. Looking at HSV... And looking at where they were in the table three or four weeks ago, that promotion playoff spot would be a gift to them compared to Darmstadt, right? Yeah, but then this is the thing. We thought Hamburg were down and out of it. And 
I said, have a look at their fixtures, the easiest fixtures coming up. And then they, where did they wobble? They wobbled at one, just before their hour game, I think, at the start of April. I can't remember what game it was, and I thought they actually messed it up, but I did forget that they had a game in hand. I mean, there, there was that stat that they hadn't won a single match in April, which uh, then changed, of course. But, I mean, the match you probably are referring to is, is their 2-1 loss against Paderborn on April 2nd. Yes, that was the one. And I was like, ah, oh, Christ, uh, they are going to mess it up. But I think I forgot that they had the game against our in midweek and could catch it up. And I changed my, tu- uh, my, <laughs> Change my tune, tune to Daniel Tune. And there was also another game that they came back in and drew. And I think it was just before that Powderborn loss, though. But the manner of which that they've been in losing positions and still managed to get a draw to build up a kind of platform where they just needed to go on this good run against these teams who have either already, you know, cemented their place in the Spider Bundesliga for next year or were just lower in position anyway to Hamburg. Was it like a show of psychological intent? I think Tim Walter has done brilliantly taken that, that kind of choker element from them to perform really well and there has been games where you know they've not really not that they've not performed but I tweet it probably every weekend and it happened I think to Yatta on the weekend against Hanover where they have the easiest chances and they just don't score them and they just score from brilliant absolutely tiny chances instead and I don't know what's wrong with that but they have managed to keep it up and they do have the best defence. They don't concede many goals. So they've really kept that up and to just have that run that they have, fair play to them if they make third and don't absolutely lose their element. And I think against Stuttgart, they're a formidable side. They should be. We know how Freiburg um, turned over Hamburg, but I think Stuttgart are lacking on confidence. Hamburg has plenty... And I think that could be a really good match of football if the playoff happens. Well, and Tim Walter knows Stuttgart inside out from his time there. Yes, what a story that will be. Which, uh, you know, lasted uh, more than two minutes. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> HSV now in third with a goal difference of uh, plus 31. They're on 57 points, as are Darmstadt. They have slightly, well, little worst goal difference with plus 22. And behind them, there are St. Pauli on 54 points. Sorry, Mike, I have to say, given that your team is three points behind that bunch and the goal difference of St. Pauli is only a plus 13, you're out of it. And, uh, well, what happened is that St. Pauli, as we talked about last week, loads and loads and loads of COVID uh, makeshift side that took on Schalke, who could secure promotion with a win. And St. Pauli gave it the best took a 2-0 lead, early 2-0 lead, but didn't help them. Schalke came back with everything they had and, and, and got those three goals. And, you know, Schalke is now in the Bundesliga. And the question that has to be asked, or which probably is going to be asked by every San Pauli fan, is why is it that San Pauli always have one good half of a season and one terrible one, or one mediocre one? Because, you know, they were topping the table at the winter break. And since then... It's really not been smooth sailing for them, to you know, say the least. I mean, they are, if you look at the Rückrundentabelle, they are in 13th. 13th, you know, even behind sites like Hanover, Sandhausen, 
That's a terrible stat if you were leading the table at the start of the Rubiconda, right? The curse of the Herbmeister strikes again. I mean, yeah, it, it really does. I mentioned it on the podcast before that this league, more than anything, you just need to be consistent. And it's not only good first half compared to bad second half. St. Pauli, I think, still has... Yeah, still has the best home form of any team in the league this season. However, their away form is shizer. It's 10th. They're 10th. They're behind Dusseldorf, Nuremberg, Hansa Rostock, Sandhausen in their away form. And I've just realised that Werder Bremen have a better away form than Paderborn. Well, one game more played and only only one point (laughs) ahead of them. So if Paderborn draw or win against (laughs) Darmstadt, they'll be back up. And Schalke too. But yeah, so it's not only good first half season, bad second half, but it's also what we're apparently doing away from home that they weren't as good as their home side. Is it atmosphere? Is it tactics? I would say, personally, St. Pauli's tactics have been pretty flat throughout the season. 4-diamond 2, maybe sometimes a more defensive 4-4-2. Those kind of things. You don't have to change it often, but if something goes wrong and in the rook render, you could see January and February, their stats were falling behind. You do need to change it a little bit to find the problem of why you're not creating so many, why you're conceding more. And I don't see any real, I didn't see any real change to St. Pauli to kind of save them. So yeah, that was some of their problems this season. Yes, right. So, and finally, my team, Werder Bremen, they are in second right now after winning 3-0 on the road against Erzgeberg Auer. That was a terrible match. <laughs> it was an absolutely <laughs> terrible match. The less we say about it, the better. Uh, suffice to say, Niklas Fulkrug got a goal that secured a 2-0 win, and then he set up Niklas Schmidt for the third one. And the first goal was actually scored by Marco Friedel, who is currently in talks with the club about extending his contract. Who would have seen that coming after he's refused to play in that Rostock match uh, at the start of the season? So um, how times have changed. So, well, going forward, we know that uh, we have Schalke in the Bundesliga next season. But then it's pretty much a three-horse race between Werder, Darmstadt and HSV. So Werder need one point against Jan Regensburg. Jan Regensburg are actually in the bottom three for the Rückrunde, on only 12 points, and they've probably been training hard all week to rectify that, I'm sure. Darmstadt, they are taking on Paderborn, the side with the second-best away record, just behind Werder Bremen. So this is going to be a tricky, tricky match, as you mentioned, and, uh, well, Hansa Rostock, nothing left to play for. They are staying in the league and uh, should be very, very happy about that. They are taking on HSV, wouldn't surprise me if uh, Hansa have been partying all week, knowing that they have nothing left to play for and HSV. They, honestly, they've pretty much never had that good of a position going into the last match day of, of a Bundesliga 2 season ever since they got relegated down to that league. So, oh boy, it's going to be an awfully exciting match day this, once again. Exciting or tiring depending on the person. I would also like to shout out at the fan who tweeted, 
Pauli und Darmstadt be like, and it's a photo of a few stairs that says Kein Aufstieg. That person who tweeted that is a Hamburg fan. So I think that's pretty risky. And if I have to go through the nerves of a playoff because this Hamburg fan couldn't wait one more week to tweet that, I'm going to find him and egg him. <laughs> <laughs> she has a very special set of skills. Anyways, uh, well, uh, just a couple more news items from the Bundesliga 2 and then pretty, to be honest. Uh, the first one is about what happened at HSV's home match. And that is actually something that is beyond me. I, You know, I would, I, I've never in a million years I could have imagined reading something like that happening at a football match. So, Jasmine, can you tell our listeners what actually did happen? Yeah, no, it it's really, really horrible incident at Hamburg against Hanover. And unfortunately, a person was um, said to be sexually assaulted in the upper area of the 25A block on the north side of Hamburg. So, unfortunately, the ultra groups and the fan clubs at the time found out too late that there was two girls who were sexually assaulted and, you know, we've all just gotten back into stadiums after, well, on off of two years of not being able to watch our teams and not being able to be around people. So for something like this to happen is really, really shit, obviously, but also highlights the dangers of just being a girl or a woman trying to enjoy their life. Don't be a bystander either. It's, you know, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, you no. You should be able to go and watch a football match, whoever you are, mm-hmm. um, and you should feel safe. I mean, the only thing you should be feeling unsafe about at a German football match is the fact of whether or not you're going to get a beer douche. <laughs> That's the only yeah. thing you should have to worry about. That's the only thing. Uh, you know, being sexually assaulted, it's one of the things that shouldn't be on that list. It shouldn't be on any list anywhere. And, and, and I really feel, I feel really shit because especially in... Germany, I feel a lot safer here than in back in UK. But this stuff like this also tells me, oh, look, I'm not safe anywhere. I have to be alert. Please, if you're next to people who you believe are having trouble or you see something going on, go to the people who are victims. See if they need anything. See if they're okay. That's all you need to do to f- help first. Please don't be a bystander. Please don't just let it happen. If you hear any derogatory comments, behaviours amongst your friends or any of your peers, call it out. It doesn't belong here. It doesn't belong anywhere. And if you're just letting it happen, you are just as bad. So please, like... And if anyone sees me at a match and you're having any trouble, please let me know. That goes for Darmstadt. If I'm, you see, see me at, at any other match, please let me know. Yes. 
Me too. But you know, I'm I'm not going to many matches these days. As my passport has hasn't hasn't come <laughs> to, to my address yet. Anyways, uh, one one last bit of news from the Bundesliga too, and that is about Bremen. Uh, Werder Bremen posted a statement today on their website saying that they are condemning all forms of racism, and that came after the news broke that uh, one of uh, the people working for the club was racially assaulted by a couple of guys and then hunted and then physically abused. Uh, the club doesn't go into much detail here other than saying that uh, they've been pretty clear about what they think about racism, what attitudes they want their fans to have. And um, yeah, what you have to keep in mind here is that Werder Bremen actually has a president who said that, uh, well, if you're a member of the RFD, which is the far right wing party in, in Germany, the right-wing lunatics in the Bundestag, you aren't in line with the values that Werder Bremen stands for. So this is actually quite consistent with, uh, with that sort of thinking. But again, not being able to feel safe. Yeah, and I voice the exact same thing that I just did for women. It goes the same for racism as well. And even in somewhere like Bremen, which has those views and values, stuff like this can happen. And think I've been in Bremen before. Again, it's quite safe. It's a lovely um, place. And yeah, it's, it's a lovely place. And it's really, in, compared to other parts of Germany, really multicultural or a lot more multicultural than I've experienced elsewhere here. And the same goes. Don't be a bystander. Cut it out. If you hear any of that behavior, challenge it please. And again, to the person who was attacked, let me know. I have a... I shouldn't go... I've got a pack of eggs that I can throw at people. And <laughs> yeah, just like make sure we look after one of each other, especially us in minorities, because we don't want this stuff to happen. And if you are an AFD voter or member, your own party leader is a lesbian woman who is in an interracial relationship. See, like, just don't do it. You're stupid. <laughs> and I'm banging my fist for effect. <laughs> but this is not a vaccination podcast or a politics one. So, no, but, you know, you know, uh, you know we, can, we can just <laughs> conclude with if you are a rapist or a racist or if you are not respecting boundaries <laughs> of other people, cut it out. Yeah. Become a better person. Do the work. Get some fucking treatment, man. Throw yourself uh, into the sea. usually, man. Anyways, uh, I think we can leave it on that cheerful <laughs> note. Uh, and we'll be right back with part two, where we'll talk about all the things that have been going on in the lower leagues. And boy, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on there. to you it's time to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the lower leagues of german football and well let's just start with the third division the dritte liga well magdeburg are up we knew about that and we knew about the fact that harvester würzburg Togutschu are getting relegated so on the last match day of the season, there is still the question of whether or not it's going to be Victoria Berlin or Werl who get relegated. 
In the end, uh, two points separating those two sides. Uh, Vel having the superior goal difference, so a draw should probably be enough for them. But anyways, we were sort of thinking that Kaiserslautern would sort of sit down on the last match day of the season, thinking, ah, it's squeaky bump time. We have to watch Braunschweig and we have to watch them do their thing as we, you know, can't do anything about that. Well, that would have required Kaiserslautern to win their match against... Victoria Köln, who were threatened with relegation going into this match day, but they lost. They lost their third match in a row, 2-0 against Victoria Köln, which means that they're stuck in that promotion playoff spot, whilst Braunschweig are going up directly. It's actually the 11th time over the last, I think, 20 years that Braunschweig have either gone up or down. So they're pretty much the most turbulent club in, in all of Germany. But Kaiserslautern, who are just yearning, 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 yearning to get back to something called Bundesliga, should be Bundesliga 1, not the Bundesliga 2 for them, but, you know, anything will do at this point. But they are once again in danger of missing out. So what's been going on over the last three weeks, given that they actually were in an excellent position going into the running of, of the Dritte Liga? Yeah, they were in an excellent position and... I think us two decided to make a podcast about them doing so well. And the football god said, Fuck you and your podcast, here's some losses. And redo everything you've ever said. So, <laughs> it all started with uh, a 2-1 loss for Kaiserslautern at Wiesbaden. And it, it just didn't seem as like safe anymore with um Braunschweig just going crazy they they had a slightly easier game that week against Wurzburger kickers but the next week no one was really expecting Braunschweig to beat Magdeburg but it kind of makes sense because they were already promoted at the time but Kaiserslautern couldn't stop this train of failures and there were some discussions that are you know Kaiserslautern had been a bit lucky throughout the season and maybe hadn't performed to their best ability and it all kind of ended with the last three games so to be and to have several chances to get back up into automatic promotion they basically had three shots they just needed one more win to not do that mm, it doesn't ever look good on a head coach so Today, Kaiserslautern took the decision. Uh, we're in the playoff. We've not won in three games and we don't look good. I have a best sack Antwerpen, the head coach, and bring in Darmstadt legend Dirk Schuster to take over. And that's permanent. Or well, it's said to be permanent, as far as I know. I mean, that, that, that's quite Which... strange. Um... <laughs> that's the Dritte Liga for you. I mean... You are a tactics expert, and you know a little bit about uh, what coaches need in terms of how they can build a side, how they can, you know, put their vision into to work. So, given that Dirk Schuster is now getting a few training sessions with that bunch, <laughs> and he probably has uh, some types of players he's not too keen on, I mean, with any head coach arriving at a new club, they want a few players out and a few new players in. That's just how things go. I mean, what could he do differently in terms of the tactics he's 
using <laughs> compared to Antwerp. I mean, that's probably not going to be an awful lot, right? Uh, anyone who's seen Dirk Schuster football, where it is probably more negative than Unai Emery, and I don't mean that in, like, the bad way. I mean, they are going to sit back like nobody does, and that's the way he got Darmstadt promoted, how he kept them in the Bundesliga. It's not really exciting. Antwerpen, although not really an attractive style player football man, he is far more offensive than Dirk Schuster. They have still scored quite a few goals under Antwerpen, and Dirk Schuster is like a complete reverse of that. And to score anything under a Dirk Schuster football side, you do need to be good at transitions, because if you only sit back, and defend. You need to be quite quick when you have the ball and actually attack because you still need to win the game and you still need to score to win the game. So yeah, I can see that not fitting a few of his players, but I mean, I don't exactly not agree with sacking Antwerpen. They messed up the promotion chances three times to cement that down. And then also, I mean, we've seen it with, like, Schalke and Mike Buskins. They sacked Gramatzis, even though it was mathematically possible for them to still get promoted, and it paid off. This could still pay off, because Dirk just decides, even with a few training sessions, it's not going to be easy to play against, especially when you take in Capretti's Dresden side, which is still kind of struggling in front of goal, haven't won a game yet under him. So, yeah, it could be quite a disgusting collation of football during those two playoffs. Excellent. Looking forward to watching them. Um, <laughs> anyways, I mean, there was actually that crazy rumour that uh, Miro Klose was about to take over. And, um, well, I think I'm speaking on everyone's behalf if I'm saying that. Thank God that didn't happen because Miro Klose is a legend and he, he would have deserved to come into a situation that's a little bit less messy than the current one. But, I mean, you know, I mean, going by Dirk Schuster and, and his record at Darmstadt, he actually took over Darmstadt in the Dritte Liga back in the day when they were fighting for, uh, against relegation. They were actually relegated uh, despite the turnaround they managed to get under him. But since their local rivals, Kickers Offenbach, didn't get a license for the Dritte Liga the next season, they stayed in the Dritte Liga. And the following year, they got promoted to the Bundesliga 2. And then the year after, they got promoted to the Bundesliga. So um, if history repeats itself, I, I know that Kaiserslautern fans would be very, 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 very happy. Anyways, let's change topics. The disgrace of Gijon goes Regionalliga. Jasmine, do tell what happened. In the Regionalliga Sudfest, there was a match between SV Elversberg and SV Frankfurt, and there was basically quite a bit of outrage regarding the match. Basically, both teams would have suited a draw. A draw would have saved Frankfurt or pretty much put Frankfurt into safety away from relegation and also get Elfersberg promoted. So instead of actually playing, it was a tale of 
really possessional based football where they basically just played it around like you see kids playing at a park and I think in 12 minutes Elfersburg had something like 100% of the possession and they didn't really play and everyone's like oh it's a disgrace why didn't you play but uh everyone kind of came out after the match and kind of defended their tactics we I think uh the Frankfurt coach also said oh we didn't really want to play against the ball and then end up losing because you know how good they are if we try and attack them that we didn't want to end up losing this match and get relegated so it was kind of a cover-up I kind of support this messiness though if two sides need a result and they both get the result that they want can you blame them would you blame them no yeah absolutely not I mean if why risk something but um (laughs) It it leaves a foul stench. Honestly, one thing is FSV Frankfurt not coming out attacking Elvisburg. I get that, kind of. Yeah. But Elvisburg, I mean, yes, mathematically speaking, going by the fact that the goal difference plus the three points they're ahead of uh, Ulm, that allows them to think, well, yeah, that draw is going to be enough. But Elvisburg, don't, don't they have sort of a duty to show that they're the much better side here and take the game to FSV Frankfurt? I mean, do Elvisburg also have one more game, right? That That is how the table looks for mm. them right now. Cause it, so, I mean, if they could just be like, if, if you've also got one more game where they can just win and it's all fine on top, I kind of want to. I'm tr- slightly biased. I'm not. I'm not like really biased. I have no horse in this race, but I kind of respect it in terms of how long of a season it is. And if you have your players come out and like really push to win, and then they get injured, or you know, FS Foul is trying to avoid relegation. It's a very big thing to try and avoid if they turn more physical in the match do you want to risk your players getting injured losing and then also not having a certain player for the last match so if you come to this kind of agreement which they obviously did let's be honest i i can't blame them if if your result is affected by the fact these two draw they could have drawn anyway one could have won and affected your result you have to recognise your own results and be in a place where other results don't affect you, sadly. I mean, uh, funnily enough, uh, this is having the biggest impact on Groß Asbach, uh, who are now three points behind FSV Frankfurt and have a much worse goal difference than them. Groß Asbach, funnily enough, uh, and that is, by the way, the site Sascha Mölders is currently playing for, Groß Asbach won against Ulm. <laughs> And took them out of the promotion race. And then Elvisburg thanked them for that by drawing against FSV and pretty much saying that, well, thanks for the gift, Gross Asbach. He has relegation to the fifth tier. So in that regard, I, I could see how anybody supporting Gross Asbach would feel rather harshly done by. And well, Gross Asbach is a site that has been in the third tier of German football. Actually, actually stayed there for quite some time. So it's going to be interesting to see how they are going to handle getting relegated to the fifth tier. But anyways, that is for a later podcast to discuss. I can quickly run down the other regional leaguers to let you know what things are looking like there. Currently in 
the Regionalliga Bayern. Bayreuth are five points ahead of Bayern 2. Two matches left to play in that league, so Bayreuth pretty much only need a couple of points to secure promotion. Looks like they are going to get it. VfB Oldenburg are six points ahead of Weiche Flensburg in the Regionalliga Nord, but, but VfB have only one game left to play, whilst Weiche have two. Oldenburg having the superior goal difference there, but it still could tip either way if Oldenburg does indeed lose their last match and Weichert wins their last two. In the Regionaldiga Nord-Ost, and the winner there is going to take on the winner of the Regionaldiga Nord in the third playoff, promotion playoff. In the Regionaldiga Nord-Ost, BFC Dynamo are currently three points ahead of Karlsruhe's Jena, but the goal difference is much better and there's only one game left to play, so looks like the old Stasi side from East Berlin might get to that playoff, and well, hey, hey, most excitingly, in the Regionalliga West, we have Rot-Weiss Essen and Preußen Münster both on 84 points, and only two goals are separating them in terms of goal difference. Well, I mean, if I wasn't watching Bundesliga 2 next weekend, I knew where I'd be, you know... If you had a passport. <laughs> if I had a passport, I'll, I'd, I would go down to North Rhine-Westphalia to watch either of those two sides because this is going down to the wire. Talking about the Regionalliga North Ost, a bit of, uh, bit of something worth mentioning. Uh, we've, we've mentioned the derby between the two Leipzig sides uh, in previous episodes. And this time around, last weekend, BSG Chemie uh, took on Lok Leipzig. And, well, there was a bit of news about that. Uh, Jasmine, can you tell me about that? Yeah, and for once, it's not, I believe... It's not about the police. It's not about Nazis. It's not about police. Yes, police didn't beat up fans as far as we know just now. Uh, it's no, normally, if BSV Kimi is involved, there is police. No, Lokomotiv Leipzig got 10% of the tickets, which I, I started a bit too in front. There was an allocation of basically 5,000 fans. I think it's for, actually 4,999, but that's too hard to say many times, so I'm going to round up. 5,000 fans were allowed to watch the local uh, derby, and Lokomotive Leipzig was allowed 10% of the tickets. And basically, it's really, really hard. And they've not really had this kind of this kind of event for quite a few years now due to the pandemic numbers and probably everything else that's been going on when trying to meet up these two sides. So they, I think had a really big march to really celebrate it through the city because it's it's really hard to be an away fan especially in that that part of germany um as we said no police incidents that we know of so um yeah there was apparently was supposed to be because this was in the past, a three-kilometre-long march of Lok Leipzig fans. So 500 of them just travelling about the city and, um, yeah, having a good day out, even though I believe they lost that match. Yes, 2-1 they lost. Uh, time for a little bit of ground-hopping uh, advice. And, well, um, as you've probably heard by now, uh, Mike isn't here, as he is uh, ground-hopping in Denmark. 
lucky bastard. <laughs> anyway, so that means it's up to me to give you a little bit of advice. And uh, this time around, you know, I've picked a place called Sportpark Hörnberg, which is in Cologne. And, uh, well, the side playing there is actually Victoria Köln. So Victoria Köln is sort of like, you know, in Köln you've got FC and you've got Fortuna and then there's Victoria. So suffice to say, the other two sides, going by the history, going by the panace, going by the fan culture that's been ex- established there over the years, they have a lot more fans and uh, Victoria are sort of like the alternative to those two clubs. But the sport park, which I've been to once... It's actually quite an intimate arena. Um, it has a capacity of uh, 10,001 spectators. And it's a really nice place to go. I mean, you uh, the people there are very nice. And it's sort of like a friendly family sort of club, family-friendly club. So going there is, uh, is nice. The beer is good. The tickets are cheap. Food is good. So And, and the fans actually do make a considerable amount of noise Uh so it's actually not a bad day out if you are in Cologne and maybe watching one of the other Cologne sites. So if uh, your schedule allows it, try to fit in a match of Victoria Cologne as well. And also, Victoria Cologne have, I believe, I could be wrong, I believe they have the only female assistant coach in the first three leagues. Ooh, which that I- is some extra bonus points for them right there. But Imke Rubenhorst is their co-trainer analyst there too. So I'm, I think off the top of my head, she's the only one in the first three leagues to be a female assistant coach from the men's side. So yeah, the extra points for Victoria Kuhn. Well, there you go. That is uh, another top reason to um, go there and see a match because, uh, well, we need more women within men's football. That's what we need. Jasmine, it has been an absolute pleasure and blast uh, recording this with you. Um, I hope it was therapeutic to be able to mull over this Bundesliga 2 weekend and and some of the other lower league news items. Before I let you go, uh, tell our listeners where they can find your rants on... um, My dictatorship um, messaging service. On your dictatorship. Where (laughs) where can you join your dictatorship? Where can you sign up and uh, become a follower of the state of Jasmine? (laughs) To become a Baba-ite, you can can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Baba. Yeah, all my work is pretty much posted there and I keep posted on any other kind of projects and me probably wallowing in a lot of alcohol after Darmstadt maybe not be promoted this year, which I can't believe we're on the final week. So if you want to read her Baba Fest, uh, you should, uh, not manifest, but you should follow her on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me, Nick Miltigen, at Musings. You can follow this podcast at Talking Foosball. Make sure to sign up to our Patreon page to get loads and loads and loads of extra content about historic stuff that's been going on. We'll be back next week with another edition of Talking Foosball Extra. Until then, it is goodbye for now.